good, everybody. Welcome to another Gold Standard podcast on the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. My partner, as always, Levin Black. What's up, Levin? Not a whole lot. We got joint practices waiting on a preseason game. And that's pretty much where we're at. I'm I'm ready for the regular season. I'm hitting that point where it's like, okay, I'm done with these practices. I'm, I'm ready for real stuff. I was so pumped up after the preseason game last week. I was on glowing on the instant reaction. People were saying like, I just can't, can we just, I want to see it. I want to open the present. We are so, so close. <laughs> it doesn't look like anybody's going to play this week against the Vikings, which is good because Niners people keep getting injured. We'll get to all that. We'll get to some of the uh, stuff from the joint practice because they've had their first practice against the Vikings. But we always want to remind you, please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. If you take the time to leave a review, we will read it. That brings me to this. From Ninerman41, a little bit of Levin Love is the subject. Five stars, thank you. Stats, I know he's the human wet blanket, but Levin needs a little love. I think he won the debate with Michelle by the slimmest of margins. Yes, she had great stats covering the lifetime of the NFL and what quarterbacks have done in terms of passing yards. However, Levin's ammo dealt with a more important time frame, this coaching staff and their players, which are contained within her timeline. I think Trey breaks the 49ers single season passing record, but maybe not this year. Time will prove Levin is right. Now on to a Niners Nation Fantasy League. This needs to happen. I would be all in. Entry fees could go to a charity, perhaps the Dwight Clark Foundation. Get Levin the info he needs and get this going. Love the pod. I mean, I thought I was going to go a podcast without mentioning she who must not be named. But here you are right at the start. Well, I mean, you didn't mention it. I read the review. Look, I sub. I read the reviews, right? There's proof. It's the only person that says you won the argument uh on a review anywhere on earth there were like four or five people that tagged us right off the bat on twitter uh, i think you're making that up that sounds made up but the real question is why haven't you gotten the niners nation fantasy league started yet i don't have contact numbers you're, i got them you you're want the them? boss i'll you're, text you're... them to you during this show i mean really jason's the guy he's the one that's in 180 leagues that's true <laughs> i don't like to be in too many because I don't then, either. Then it's like, no matter what happens, you've always got somebody that's doing something good. I like watching for very specific people every week. Mm -hmm. I usually do like one or two leagues and then you watch for your guys. Otherwise, when there's too many, it takes the fun out of it. Yeah, that's kind of how I am. I used to play in a lot more. Uh, there used to be a point in my life where I thought that was going to be the career I pursued. At one point in college, I thought I was going to be pursuing a fantasy football expert career line that's what i was gonna try to be but yeah i just don't enjoy having split allegiances everywhere plus i need a league that has m meaning like i know the people in it i don't care to play against random people you know what i mean like i gotta know the people in the league and have an actual interest in not losing to them joe schmo who i will never meet and never know who they even really are yeah i don't care <laughs> I do like a more of a personal. That's just me. But a listener league, I think, would be fun, too. So we'll see if we can get that going. Um, all right. Let's get into some of the stuff today. Joint practices with the Minnesota Vikings. 
I was following along and I was seeing some very encouraging things about Trey Lance. He had a huge deep ball, Danny Gray, for a long touchdown that went 50 yards in the air, who apparently absolutely roasted Patrick Peterson. Uh, that's just, you know, he's kind of cooked, but still, this Danny Gray thing, Levin, seems like it could be a real, um, a real facet of the offense that the 49ers haven't had. I sure hope so. Uh, I, I can't remember if we actually did that segment prior to training camp, but he was going to be my pick for training camp heroes that don't end up doing anything (laughs) just because I knew speed and practice is going to shine and whether or not that actually shines come regular season, whether or not Kyle Shanahan can trust him to be a run blocker at times. And thus the off the defense doesn't know it's a passing down. If he's in, you know, things like that. Uh, But the frequency at which he's getting open deep, I think he has a real role in this offense come regular season. And Kyle has been searching for that forever. First, it was Marquise Goodwin, the ghost of Travis Benjamin at one point. Like he really hasn't had somebody that really not just is fast, but also like is fast that can actually make a damn play because Travis Benjamin was fast, but nobody really cared that Travis Benjamin was out on the field at any particular point in time. Danny Gray hopefully can prove himself to be an actual threat. Uh, I saw this from Grant Cohen talking about Trey Lance. I'm not going to give Trey Lance's practice uh, practice numbers because I think that is stupid. But apparently he hit Debo Samuel on a fourth and 10 play in a two-minute drill at the end of the practice, and he hit him for a 30-yard gain. And Grant's statement that he wrote was, quote, Lance is a game manager and a playmaker, unlike the previous starting quarterback who was neither. Do you think that that is something that will carry over to the regular season, that Lance can provide those high-ceiling, big-time throws like we saw against the Packers and, and in the practice on Wednesday against the Vikings while also taking care of the football? Because that's not a combination that you see too often. It's really impossible to know at this point. You know, how much Trey Lance tries to fit tight windows or how much his accuracy, which we have seen is – Supposedly his ball placement can be crazy good on one pass and then off on the next one. How many of those go for picks? How many of those end up dropped or just tipped? You know, a lot of that is luck uh, and it's not going to be consistent year to year, but it's impossible to know how much Trey Lance is going to try to thread the needle. You know what I mean? And that's, I think when it's just not there and you try to force it anyways, is when you get the turnovers, that's when Jimmy would turn it over. Trey Lance, he might be low turnovers because he has an option Jimmy didn't, which is, it's not there, I'm going to run. So how much he's willing to be a gunslinger is really going to determine that, in my opinion. And to me, if he's a gunslinger in the right way, which is what all the great ones are, like, you know, Patrick Mahomes, gunslinger, Aaron Rodgers, I would say, is gunslinger. You know, the great ones are gunslingers, but they're gunslingers on throws where they put it in a place that only the wide receiver has a chance to catch it. So it might not have a great chance of being caught because it's a tight window or you're throwing right up against the sideline, but you're putting it in a place where only the receiver has a chance at it. And that's the big difference, I think, between leading the league in interceptions and being somebody like Aaron Rodgers who never has interceptions because he never puts it in a place where the DB has a play on it. I think people, too, sometimes look at a pass, and if it doesn't hit a receiver right in the chest, they think it's an inaccurate pass. I saw a completion to Ayuk today where it was in a crowd of people kind of over the middle, 
but Lance threw it low. So the only person that could make a play on the ball was Ayuk. He was either going to be caught or was it going to, going to be incomplete, you know, thrown to the ground. Sometimes you got to put it in a particular spot like that. And, and hopefully Trey can keep doing that. Um, the other thing that uh, I liked was what I heard from Trey after the practice. He was asked, uh, you know, how do you think you did? And he specifically mentioned two throws that he missed. I think one was to Kittle. And I think the other one was to Debo, but he specifically said there was one to Kittle. There was one to Debo. I've got to be better with that. I have to hit those. Yes. Taking personal freaking responsibility. I know it's just practice, but if he does it in practice, I'm sure he's going to do it in the games, but specifically saying I need to be better and holding himself accountable is something that we have not seen from a 49ers quarterback since before 2017, I'll tell you that, and it was refreshing. Yeah, we we've ranted on that a few times on instant reacts, where Jimmy just clearly was in the wrong, made a terrible play, and you know threw it to where he definitely shouldn't have thrown it. And in the post game, he's saying we need to be better. We need to. It's like no, that's you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that it's was not... solely on you when you throw in the double coverage, and the DBs both had better plays at it than the wide receiver. That's on you. There's no we there. So yeah, uh, I, I, sometimes the quarterback needs to say I, and sometimes he needs to say we, and being able to pick and choose when the right time is for each one of those is part of leadership in my opinion. Yeah. And I always hated how Jimmy would say, Oh, that's football. You know, uh, you know, we had a ball that was interception. No, no, the <laughs> That passive, like, I threw a pick. Like, oh, it used to drive me crazy because it never seemed like he ever got held accountable. There were so many games where he would play poorly and they would win anyway. So I just, I think I wanted him to at least acknowledge that accountability. And that just, that wasn't how he chose to do things. Um, I didn't hear a lot about the running backs in the Wednesday's practice. And that's something that kind of bums me out because that's like a one of the few position groups on this team that I think is really kind of wide open. And I think that that's going to be the biggest thing I watch for on Saturday when they play the Vikings is who gets the carries. Cause again, we're not going to see Elijah Mitchell. How many carries do they get? Like perfect example, Trey Sermon against the Packers had like six carries for 11 yards or something like that. But when you watched him, I thought he looked good because he was going straight ahead. He was being decisive. And Kyle Shanahan said the same thing after the game. Uh, so that's like, I want to see if the running backs can sort of take shape because that, that picture hasn't fully developed yet. Yeah. I hate to uh, poo poo on that. Oh, here we go. Cause I do agree. Watching the running backs is probably the biggest thing along with the offensive line, assuming the three interior players play, you know, I'm not too worried about the tackles, but the three new starters, but running back wise, you can't trust Kyle. <laughs> it would not surprise me at all if uh say like mason is the real number two but he wants to hide that fact until the regular season so he's going to make it seem like he's buried on the depth chart so nobody knows nobody prepares for what he can bring and then all of a sudden come regular season he's getting 10 carries a game like he, you can't trust him sometimes he if he has something that's new he likes to hide it and you know i don't disagree with that it doesn't matter as long as Kyle and the team knows where they're at. It doesn't matter if that person gets playing time. Kyle flat said a couple of years ago, 
that he gets a heck of a lot more out of two joint practices than any preseason game. So, like, I I want to say that the game could clear up the picture of running back. But at the same time, like, I know Kyle in the past has, you think one thing from preseason and then all of a sudden, wait, that guy's the one that's starting or that guy's the third wide receiver or, you know, whatever it ends up being, whatever position. It's like, he always likes to hide the new toy. That's fine, but I just want to see what these guys look like. You know, I agree that maybe we're not going to be able to tell who the running back's going to be or what carries they'll get from the game. But like, I feel like I didn't even get to see Ty Davis price that much against like, I just yeah. want to learn about these players. I'm, you know, I'll, I'll keep... say this. I, I don't care to see hasty. Like, no, okay, I know what he is. He's not horrendous. He's just not very good. Play the young guys, like play sermon, play uh TDP and play Mason. Like those are the three I want to see. The other guys, Jeff Wilson, hasty. I don't care to see. Like Agreed. they don't need any snaps. Yeah, like no one – you could cut them tomorrow and pick them up three weeks from now. No one is going to be breaking their door. They have multiple times before with those <laughs> two. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. It's a young man's game. Let's go. Hopefully that's how it shakes out, but uh, we will see. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, there's a story that has bubbled up again this week that some of you are not going to like, but Levin wants to have his say on it. I've had my say, so we'll do that when we come back. Back here on the Gold Standard Podcast. All right, Levin, now it's time to get into a topic that's going to piss some people off, but it's our show, so we're doing it anyway. <laughs> and the topic is the ghosting of the team by one James Richard Garoppolo. And I have no idea if Richard is his middle name, but that's what I'm going with. Chris Sims talked about it on Pro Football Talk Live this week. Uh, I tweeted it out. got a lot of reaction from people. Here's what Chris Sims said about Jimmy Garoppolo ghosting the 49ers. I've heard this from players, ex-coaches there. He goes off the radar all the time, all the time. Nobody can get in contact with him. But his first year in offseason there, that's when I was made aware of it. I'm not going to name the player I was at, but I was at an event, and the player who was a longstanding player with the 49ers was like, I can't get the quarterback to call me back. I've called them every day for a month. You hear it from everybody. I've heard it from ex-coaches who have moved on and just gone, yeah, it's weird. You know, they, the, the organization's tried to reach out to them times and, and explain things to them, and they, they can't get a hold of them to the point where I think they've had to, like, drive to his house and knock on the door and be like, hello, are you alive? Are you there? So, yeah, I mean, I think that that's why there's the 49er fan base that wants, you know, why are we getting Jim, rid of Jimmy Garoppolo I think there's more than just the play on the field at hand here. And, yeah, I think a lot of the NFL knows these stories a little bit. And I think that's why maybe, you know, we've had some teams kind of drag their feet and, and not sure if they really want to go all in on the Jimmy Garoppolo trade. Knock on his door, Levin. Knock on his door. Chris said he's had multiple sources on this thing. And I'm stunned that so many people out there – just poo-poo this. Just hand wave it away. Not a big deal. It's the offseason. Boo-hoo. I'm stunned at this. If this was a, another quarterback, and I'm going to say it, if this was a black quarterback, Kyler Murray, people would be crushing him. Uh, I don't disagree with that. Uh, when you're a good-looking white guy, you tend to get away with a little bit more. But I'm going to take this a different spot from at least what I never heard. Granted, I can't listen to every single thing out there, but 
my question, my angle is, what was he like in the offseason with the Patriots? That's what I haven't heard talked about. Like, did he ghost the Patriots in the offseason? Because I highly freaking doubt it. If you weren't returning Bill Belichick's phone calls, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't have been on the roster or he would have destroyed you because he, he doesn't put up with that. So to me, it's one of two things. Either he did ghost in the offseason, Bill Belichick knew it, and he pulled a fast one on the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Or he didn't ghost them, which I highly doubt a backup quarterback is going to be ghosting all his teammates and coaches in the offseason because that's a recipe for not being in the league very long. And thus he changed to the moment he got his money. And we know he changed the moment the replacement was brought in when Trey Lance was drafted. Suddenly he was returning calls. So to me, I think there's a little bit more damning of the character here that permanently kind of changes how I will view Jimmy Garoppolo in his era. Because before, I kind of viewed it not necessarily sympathetic, but much more friendly, where, you know, I appreciate what he did. We got a lot of wins. We almost won the Super Bowl with him. He just wasn't quite good enough. You know, it's not his fault. He just wasn't quite good enough. Now, I feel like that changes to, hey, we could have won the Super Bowl if you weren't a prick in the (laughs) offseason. If you didn't decide to go, hey, I got this record contract. See you later. Now I'm just going to, you know, coast in the offseason and then hope I can win it in the regular season, which we know does not work in the NFL, especially at the quarterback position. So, like, I, I think this permanently changes my view of Jimmy Garoppolo from one of he just wasn't quite good enough to the team could have won at least one Super Bowl, maybe two because of last year, if Jimmy Garoppolo didn't phone it in in the offseason. I've made my stance on this known. You are the quarterback. You are the leader of the team. Does that mean you have to answer every single text immediately after it comes in? No, of course not. He's a human being. But you can't leave a team for months hanging. Coaches, players, you you just cannot do that. There's a reason great quarterbacks are great, okay? It doesn't just happen. It happens because you put the time in, a lot of the time, all the time. Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't doing that. That's part of the reason he never became a great quarterback. I just want to see the follow-up. The follow-up to this is find out if he was like this with the Patriots. I don't know. I can't speak on that. I haven't seen anybody cover it from that angle, trying to go back and figure out when did he start this. Did it start with the contract? Or did he do this his whole career and Bill, Bill Belichick kind of, you know, kept it quiet? I thought because I... we do know, we have heard a couple of Patriots teammates talk bad about him mm-hmm. and not being a team first guy. Which, granted, you can take that with a grain of salt because it came from Martellus Bennett. But, you know, we know that he pulled out of playing in a game last minute in his final year with the Patriots. Was this also part of why he doesn't seem to have a whole lot of teammates come to his defense from his Patriots years? I, I don't know. I thought I saw something that Chris Sims said on Pro Football Talk Live where he there was a little hint of this with New England and that maybe the relationship between Kyle Shanahan and Bill Belichick is a little damaged because the 49ers kind of felt like, hey, you, you know, you tricked us essentially. You should, you know, you could have mentioned this before we traded. Now, granted. Niners only give up a second round pick. So it's not like they, you know, it's not like they gave up three first round picks, but still. it depends on how you want to look at it. Yes, they only gave up a second round pick in just the trade compensation. But 
if they didn't get Jimmy Garoppolo, they have Kirk Cousins. And to me, they certainly win the Super Bowl in 2019 with Kirk Cousins. They don't have Trey Lance for, or at, at this point. That's right. So sure. it might end up working out. But the Niners have probably at least one Super Bowl if Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't traded to them. It's wild, man. It's crazy how it all goes it's, around. It's not. It's hard to look at things in retrospect that way. Well, if you change the quarterback, they went, well, changing the quarterback changes a lot of different things. But in this scenario where it wasn't an offensive-led team, it was a defensive-led team, and you just needed a little bit more out of your quarterback to win the Super Bowl, it's pretty easy to say that. Is there anything that Jimmy Garoppolo did in 2019 that we don't think Kirk Cousins could do? I would say no. 2019 no. is easily his best year, and that would be probably the worst year that Kirk Cousins has had in the last five years. Like <laughs> you would have to go back to Washington. Kirk Cousins has had 30 touchdowns, 4,000 plus yards in back to back seasons. And the season before that, I think he threw like 26 touchdowns to only seven interceptions. He like, is not good. nearly as bad as people say he is. Right. He He's not in the elite class, but he is clearly in the top 10. And he's NFL never hurt. Right. He's always out there. So there's that aspect to it. But this is another angle that I don't think that people have delved into enough. So the 49ers know that Jimmy Garoppolo ghosts them because he did it for years. And they still stuck with him over Tom Brady. They still stuck with him over Tom Brady. That is stunning to me. They must have thought. Because reportedly, you know, Shanahan studied Brady's film and the whole team studied Brady's film. They must have thought that Brady looked so cooked that even with Jimmy ghosting them, they were still better off. To be fair, his last year with the Patriots, Tom Brady, was not what he has been with Tampa. Agreed. I don't know if he, like, refocused going to a new team because he suddenly had motivation again of proving that it wasn't all Bill Belichick for all the Super Bowls. I don't know what it is, but his last year with the Patriots, his deep ball was, we could say Jimmy Garoppolo-esque. Like his deep ball was not there. It looked like his arm just died. So I don't know what changed, but something changed. And Tom Brady has been different with Tampa. But yeah, like they stuck with, I don't know. I I wonder if the team almost got tricked again last off season <laughs> because I thought when you said they still stuck with, I thought you were going to say over Trey Lance last year and just going and cutting the ties and getting Trey Lance the experience he needs when instead you went the Tom Brady route. So did Jimmy Garoppolo suddenly responding last off season, get him the starting gig again last year? Like, well, maybe? that's on the 49ers then. What is that? Right. You know, that's what I'm saying. They got, they got tricked a second time. Right. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Like, Yeah, not the George yeah. W. Bush version. No, fool me Great. three times. Well, <laughs> you're not going to fool me three times. <laughs> um, but, yeah, just that was the first thing I thought of. Is like you knew this dude is ghosting you, and you could – like Tom Brady came to you and said, I want to play for you. But I agree. He has looked much, much better in Tampa Bay than he did in his final years in New England. I think part of that is because the Bucs have a much better roster than those New England teams did. Yeah, by the not time. relying on a washed-up Julian Edelman as right. number one. Turns out Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are pretty damn good. Plus, you've got Gronk, you know, rejuvenated as well. So and they've had a really good offensive line, too. Right. 
Uh, well, not this year, though. Actually, it's funny. Yeah. They kind of have the same problems that the 49ers have. They have all questions along the interior of their offensive line, too, which is like fascinating because if there's one thing Tom Brady's going to struggle with, it's pressure up the middle right away. You know, like that is the death knell for him. There's no quarterback in the league that is more affected by pressure than Tom Brady because he's ancient. And if you hit him hard enough, he might just turn into dust. <laughs> I just uh, ironically saw a highlight of his longest career rush, and it was 22 yards. Brady. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, was that against, who was that against? I don't remember the team. I saw it a couple of hours ago, and it, oh. it was just a scramble down the sideline, and he ran out of bounds like a couple yards early because he didn't want to get hit. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like, blame him. He ran out of bounds when there was a defender closing in on him, but the defender was still like, you know, three or four yards away. I... uh was actually really fascinated to see how the 49ers defense could do against Brady. So I'm, I'm glad they're going to play him this year, week 14. Um, I hope that, you know, the Niners and everybody's healthy enough so that I could actually see that because I think that's like the ultimate chess matchup. You know, you've got the Niners who have this incredible pass rush and you've got Brady who's a friggin' wizard back there, especially at getting the ball out of his hands early. Would he, who would win that battle? Because I think if the 49ers, even in 2019, if they had played a quarterback that was less mobile than Patrick Mahomes, they would have won that game easily, easily, because their pass rush was incredible. It's just that Mahomes freaking went God mode. And I'd be interested to see if Brady could hold up to that. Yeah, I don't. Tampa's one of those teams. I think they've had enough injuries. Like you said, their interior line is different. They're a team I could see kind of falling apart. Now, I, if I had to pick, I'd still say, yeah, they win 10, 11, 12 games. But, you know, you had the Leonard Fournette showing up at, what was it, like 260 pounds or something crazy? <laughs> yeah, like, he was big. It, I don't know. Like, that team has had a lot of kind of – they've had some injuries that are season-ending. They lost Gronk. Could they be that team in the NFC that falls that nobody sees coming? Yeah, I would say that they're one of the leading candidates for that. Doesn't mean it will happen, but you, you know what I mean? Like, th there's a lot of reasons. At some point, Tom Brady's going to show his age. Like, you don't want to count on that anymore. At this point, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt till it happens, but he's going to be 45 years old. Like you said, what happens if he gets hit a little bit more this season? Does his body start to show the age where he can't recover week to week and his arm? starts you know well it wouldn't be his arm it would seem like his arm is weak but it really be his lower body is so tired and not recovering fast enough after the hits that he's not able to generate the torque that he needs to throw the ball like i, I could see that team falling apart and i don't want to turn this into a bucks podcast but i'll just say this last thing since we're just talking about quarterbacks and not necessarily being all in brady doesn't want to be on the buccaneers right now yeah. he doesn't want to be on the Bucs. He to be a player owner he wanted to be on the Dolphins. If he had his way, he would be a Miami Dolphin right now. Brian Flores suing the Dolphins put the brakes on that. That was happening. It was Brady. It was Peyton, Sean Payton, going to the Dolphins. Mike McDaniel might still be on the 49ers staff right now if that had actually happened. Um, and now all of a sudden he's walking away from training camp, taking a personal day. Like when they Ten. happen to be playing the Dolphins. Ten days. And that's not getting enough like scrutiny either. You're talking yeah, about Tom no, Brady, like last minute. It, it the comes out last minute. All in his whole life, right? He has his TB12 method. It's dedicated to 
nothing but football, right? The dude's never eaten a strawberry, right? He His whole life has been about football. Now, all of a sudden, in year 50, whatever it is, he's taking 10 days off in training camp. Like, that's not who Tom Brady is. Remember when he when he got to the Bucs, he broke the, the collective bargaining rules and showed up at the wrong house. He was trying yeah, to find Byron Leftwich, and he went to the wrong house. Like, Brady's the all-in guy. Now, all of a sudden, he's walking away. Like it, again, there, is, there is a little bit of the uh, mental aspect of that. If you're his teammates, okay, you retired. We now know that you were wanting to go be a part owner of the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. And now you're taking personal days, which nobody freaking does during the season. Like you can say it's still preseason, but no, it matters. Like he's gone for 10 days. Like that to me would, in the back of my mind, if I was his teammate going, this guy really all in because I only get so many years of my career and I'm not sitting here with six Super Bowls. So like I can't afford to waste a chance. You know what I mean? Like I feel like that could affect the whole team unity a little bit more than has been covered because it's been covered absolutely zero at this point. But yeah, we're not a Bucks podcast, but. Look, you just want your quarterback to be all in. And by all indications, the 49ers finally have one. And Kyle Shanahan said it. Uh, I think it was Grant Cohn who asked him uh, about like Trey Lance working out with Ayuk and kind of being around his teammates in the offseason and being one of the guys in the offseason. He said something like, how nice was that to see or something. What he's really doing was fishing for a Jimmy Garoppolo thing. And Kyle knew it because Kyle smirked at him. And uh, this was during the weekly press conference. He smirked at him and said that uh, that's what you expect. And it's... To me, it looked like he was about to say something else, and then it dawned on him, wait, this could be thrown towards Jimmy. I'm going to pause, and then he just kept repeating, that's what you expect. That's what's expected. It's like, yeah, he's saying that a quarterback ghosting his teammates in the offseason does not work. It is what you expect. God forbid you expect the quarterback to to friggin' answer his teammates and bosses in the offseason. That's so and by the way, all the people on Twitter out there saying, I don't answer my phone when I'm off work. You don't have an NFL job. (laughs) Whether or not that spreadsheet gets sent now or in the morning isn't that big of a deal. Whether or not Tom, or sorry, whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo creates a good atmosphere and is all in and takes all the little things seriously all year long is the difference between winning a Super Bowl and having a near billion dollar windfall or not. And everybody having to watch those damn highlights years and years and years later of being so close. Like it, it matters massively where, whether or not the quarterback responds in the offseason to his teammates. Joe Schmo, you know, me, whether or not I respond to my boss saying I'll be in a half hour early or whatever, does not matter. Is that why you never return any of my texts? I return all your texts. <laughs> You're the one that ghosts me sometimes. The The truth is... If my bosses were paying me with the 49ers, have paid Jimmy Garoppolo, I'd be on my phone a hell of a lot more. I'll just say that. That like that's part of what goes into it, but whatever. I get it. Jimmy's not going to be on the team anymore. It just bugged the hell out of me that people number one think it's a cheap shot to bring up even though it's true and Garoppolo admitted that it's true that he doesn't always respond to the text messages like and that people were waving it away. It just 
it just drove me nuts and it's my show and, and we wanted to talk about it. It's our show. It's not my show. It's our show. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, really, I wanted to talk about it because you've talked about it for a week now, whereas I've been just sitting and going, no, no, not Wednesday yet. I don't get to talk to Rob. No, not Wednesday night yet. I don't get to talk to Rob. <laughs> oh, now it's a week later. So worth talking about. And I decided this week. Hell yes, it's worth talking about because the whole Pats thing has not been covered. What was he like with the Patriots? I'll do a little. Uh, I'll do a little digging on that front. I'll get back to you. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Gold Standard Podcast. Again, please rate, review, follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Thank you, thank you, thank you to the thousands and thousands of you that watched on the Instant Reaction Show. We are going to be doing one of those every single week. Every time the 49ers play, we will have an Instant Reaction Show. Well, Evan, I haven't even asked you, so I'm doing it now. Are you joining us on Saturday night? Uh, I'm trying to think if the game's going to, I'm working daylights I'm trying to think if the game should be over. I should be home. So yes, probably. Oh, probably. Levin black might join us. What time does the game start? I can't remember. It starts at seven Eastern. Uh, probably I'll put it that way. Very, very likely. I have to be up at 4 AM the next day and I'm in the middle of working like 13 out of 14 days. So, uh, so you're going to there, there's a chance I choose sleep over watching the third stringers in the second half. You're going to Garoppolo me. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> All right. But uh, I have no life. I live for talking the 49ers. So there's a good chance I will uh, be joining you. Put it that way. You, you will be stuck with my insults uh, <laughs> live on screen rather than in the chat. Well, whoever is with me, you should jump in because it's a ton of fun. We love the interaction. So please thank you for the support and uh, have a good Thursday, everybody. We'll talk to you next week.